0: This This is is Yawa
1: Yawa
0: Radio. One welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Every fortnight,
2: you can join me, your host, Steve Phillip, alongside Danielle and Paul from the Jordan Legacy team, together with some very special guests for an hour of conversation, music, and above all, hope. Welcome to Jordan Space. This show does discuss themes of suicide, and we'd encourage you to take care of yourself by stepping away from the show at any point, should you find the content triggering or uncomfortable to listen to. For support, please visit our website, thejordanlegacy.com, and our help menu options. Welcome to show 25 of Jordan Space. Shortly, we're going to be speaking with this week's guest, CEO of the charity, Beyond. Before we speak with Louisa Rose, I'd like to welcome to our show our regular co-hosts, Danny and Paul. And Paul, there are many different charities and organisations working in the field of suicide prevention including a few big national charities like Samaritans, of course, and lots of smaller organisations. Now, in our action research, we've heard about the crucial need to collaborate and avoid duplication or even competition. How do you think we're doing in that respect?
1: Well, I think it's probably the classic school report, isn't it? Uh, A good book could do better. Um, So it's kind of, it's a tough environment to work in in suicide prevention because there's so many people who are passionate about what they do. And every time, sadly, every time somebody loses someone to suicide, they think about setting up another charity. Um, and, uh, you know, you end up with so many organizations and you've got these big established organizations. Um, obviously, Samaritans are huge in every sense. I mean, a big organization, but also big history and a big role that they've played. And we all should learn how to work with people like Samaritans. And hopefully they'll learn how to work with organisations like ourselves. Uh, In fact, last week it was Samaritans Awareness Day. And this year it's coming up to their 70th birthday or 70th anniversary. And uh, they do incredible work. And that was such a great breakthrough in 1953 with the telephone helpline. Um, uh, But obviously the world moves on. And we've all got to be looking at what we can do and how we can collaborate together and get synergy.
2: Danny, at the Jordan Legacy, we try to work collaboratively with everyone involved in suicide prevention to achieve our shared goal. Certainly everyone who shares the ambition of a zero suicide society. You're also very aware of the large number of different suicide prevention charities and organisations from seeing their social media posts every day. Which are the ones that stand out and are most prominent for you on social media?
3: Yeah, well, as you say, there's, there's so many fantastic organisations and charities doing great work. Um, some that come to mind are the Zero Suicide Alliance, who provide free online suicide awareness training. And there's our friends at the Ollie Foundation, who are doing great work in funding suicide intervention skills training for adults, organisations and schools working with young people. Uh, you've got places like James's Place and Sean's Place and Andy's Man Club, who are providing spaces where people can reconnect with others and get support when they're struggling with the mental health issues and suicidal thoughts. And there's the Suicide Co, which is a great UK charity supporting those bereaved by suicide. Uh, there's just so many, which I, I think I've largely become aware of through our, our regular Spotlight on Hope shares, um, where every week we share across our social media sites. Um, organizations and charities that are doing great work in the mental health field and suicide prevention. So, and I think maybe a lot of people aren't always aware of the extent of the work that's going on and what a difference these people and organizations are making in helping to reduce suicides and, and supporting people through difficult times.
2: I think that's really important. I, you know, one of the things I really like that you do on, on behalf of the Jordan Legacy is this spotlight on, on hope and where you spotlight specific organizations. I know how much from the comments I see that they share, how much they really appreciate. And I almost seem quite surprised that someone's taken the trouble to spotlight them in that way. And I think collaboratively, if we could all do more you know, sharing of each other's resources, that's certainly going to help uh, spread the word there. Paul, although there's a potential problem with duplication, and some would say there are too many different organizations, they all make a contribution, don't they? But what do you think are the key lessons from our action research on how we can all work better together?
1: Well, yes, there are lots of different organisations, um, and Danny's just given a good, you know, really good summary there of, of just some of those organisations. I think we've we've learned that you need the passion, you need the fire in the belly, but you need a cool head as well. You need to think about what you provide and how it differs from other people. How you can work together and collaborate and avoid that competition. And unfortunately it does get competitive around, we've heard you know, people talking about cl- uh, competitive around resources, competitive around attention and space and profile and, and so on. And then there's a kind of unconscious or subconscious competition around priorities where people say, well, uh, you know, if you're a charity that, that focuses on young people, obviously you'll go out and say, we should prioritize young people. And if you're a charity that focuses on middle-aged men, we should prioritise middle-aged men. Now, that's fine for those organisations, because that's what they've chosen to prioritise and focus on. But when we actually put the whole picture together, and when we look at things like national strategies and national collaboration coordinated frameworks and, and coordinated approaches, we've said in our report that we need to work towards a situation where everybody is a priority for someone. And that's what we're trying to To work out so we as the Jordan Legacy we don't compete, we don't provide training in competition with other people and we're very much looking across the whole piece the bigger picture and how do we help everybody being a priority for someone.
2: All of the bigger charities emphasise the importance of listening to lived experience and through our research talks and events and shows like Jordan Space at the Jordan Legacy we want to help facilitate this and we're always keen to share what we know as well as learning from others experiences We are currently having conversations with some of the major national charities about our moving towards a Zero Suicide Society Action Research report and our petition to government requesting that they introduce a Suicide Prevention Act to minimise all suicides. Now, you can download and read our report and sign our petition by visiting the menu titled Latest on our website, thejordanlegacy.com. Well, let's take a break now and we're going to play some more music. And when we return, we'll be speaking with the CEO of a charity that, among other things, annually hosts the UK's biggest online schools mental health festival. We'll be right back after we've listened to River by Josh Groban.
3: Hi, it's Zoe Bishop here. If you want to get your weekend off to the best start, join me every week for my Feel Good Friday show from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m two hours of fab music, wellbeing tips, and Friday fun.
4: This, this
2: is Yawa Radio. Radio. Early in 2021, I watched a documentary video titled Stranger on the Bridge about a young man called Johnny Benjamin who was standing on Waterloo Bridge in London when a passing stranger witnessing Johnny's distress stopped to talk with him. That simple action saved Johnny's life. Johnny Benjamin MBE went on to become an inspiring mental health advocate and was one of our keynote speakers at the Jordan Legacy's first Hope for Life conference in 2021. He also co-founded the mental health charity Beyond and met with today's guest Louisa Rose who we are delighted to welcome to this week's edition of Jordan Space as CEO of the charity Beyond. It's great to have you join us Louisa, How, how are you?
5: Oh, I'm good. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
2: No, you're welcome. It's great to be here. Look, I I introduced today's show by talking about Johnny, but we're going to move on now. Um, His story, of course, is is well documented. Today, though, we wanted to hear about you because you also have an important story to to share about your role in Beyond, which we will talk about a little later, but also about your own mental health struggles and, and the vital work, of course, you're doing through the charity now. Um, to support young people. Can you recall when you first became aware of your own challenges with mental health?
5: Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I think retrospectively, it's easy to put an age on it because I can notice now with all of the knowledge that I have, when my challenges would have begun, but when the first time was that I actually noticed or was, was aware that I had any, I was, just, I was very, very young. I was probably around um, maybe 10 or 11. I always had issues with my stomach. I always had issues with my stomach. I always wanted to run to the bathroom. I spent hours in there. I um, I was so nervous to ask to go to the bathroom. Um, you know, going to the toilet when you're, you know, younger is just, you know, not for number one. Just to put it out there, you know, it is something that you know every young person is really embarrassed about, and there's like such shame that shrouds it. I was sent off to every single doctor and gastroenterologist that you can possibly come up with, um, to try and figure out what this issue was. Now I know now that that issue was anxiety. And it was manifesting in an urgent need to go to the bathroom. Um, Finally, when I was maybe 16 or so, I got diagnosed with IBS, which is Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Now, there's a sort of split opinion as to whether or not that's um, triggered by what you eat or stress. And I am a firm believer that it's triggered by stress. It also coincided with a time when I was experiencing periods of depression. So my parents split up when I was 13. Um, It was very traumatic for me for a number of different reasons. I spent from the age of 13 to probably 20 um, going through sort of significantly challenging moments, depressive episodes Um, I had a very challenging relationship at the time with my dad, pleased to say now I've got a great relationship with him. The pre-existing, what we now know was anxiety, um, really got formally diagnosed when I was around, I think, 18, no, 16, sorry, 16 for both of them. But I had my first severe depressive episode when I was 16. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't watch TV um I couldn't I had no energy to get out of bed it's not because I actually didn't want to get out of bed though I experienced that through other another depressive episode but I it's I just I had no energy to I couldn't lift a fork my mum had to feed me.
2: It, it sounds like you know you, you were getting a, a clinical diagnosis quite late on into your teens but it obviously lived with these symptoms and issues for for quite some time um how was that kind of dealt with within the family was it was it discussed or was it just Louisa needs to go to the loo again and she's a bit stressed how how was how was that dealt with you feel um
5: my mum was brilliant because she it, it was at a time you know I'm 40 so it was at a time when we we weren't talking about mental health in the way that we are now so you know despite her very best efforts you know she just wasn't getting answers or speaking to the right people because she didn't know how to but she was trying so hard but it was very open it was very um very open um my dad on the other hand did not um welcome the subjects of mental ill health at all it interestingly he's gone full circle and he really really is supportive now um, but it's funny because up until that point and, and even beyond it even with the, d- the diagnosis I was labeled a worrier I was labeled oversensitive I was fragile you know all these words that we now know mean highly in tune with their emotions that we know mean anxiety, anxious, that we know mean, you know, um, sensitive, which is not always a bad thing, you know, mm. that can feel, can be empathetic to other people's feelings as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely fascinating, uh, Louisa, listen to that. Thank you very much for, for sharing that uh, with us and, and our listeners. Uh, I, I remember when I was running my own business that I, I kind of instinctively felt that, Having healthy worriers on the team was a good thing, you know. I didn't really understand why, but I just they were really good, you know. <laughs> um, but obviously, there's, then there's that line that it crosses into unhealthy worrying, and I just wonder what point you really felt as if you you yourself understood what was
5: going on. I actually don't think I did, just even despite the diagnosis of um, anxiety and recurrent depressive disorder, until I was. 37 and uh, diagnosed with Tourette and then um, 40 and diagnosed with OCD and the reason I say that is because I spent my life being told that I was this thing that was in inverted commas wrong to be Mm -hmm. and trying to fight that and trying to work out who I actually was underneath that and try to cope with it because i had to fix myself because you know it didn't suit the sort of everybody else's narrative that i was worrying the whole time and anxious the whole time and you know a lot of it was so i've i've got a very visual um mind so i think almost like in pictures so if if you if, if you tell me your telephone number i won't remember it but if you write down your telephone number I very well might right. um but what that meant for me growing up was that and, I'm, and i come back to that point when i said i was four and i i feel like i it started then
1: mm.
5: i i was asked to be um red riding hood in the school primary one play mm. at scotland you start earlier and yeah um and i was in such a state that my mum was called, and I vividly remember being on the sort of like veranda bit of the out of the the school kind of like hut, um of the classroom hut, crying my eyes out. I was absolutely hysterical because I was so scared to be Red Riding Hood because of the wolf,
1: right?
5: And it was. I knew that the image of the wolf in Red Riding Hood was fixed in my head. I couldn't get it out of my head, even at four. And a lot of my worries are manifest in visual, obsessive visual, intrusive visual images Mm -hmm. and thoughts. I now know that's OCD. I know that's very linked to actually Tourette's which I got diagnosed with and I also know that all of those are very linked to anxiety but you know of, of course like throughout my childhood and my adolescence I was just fighting this kind of narrative that you're supposed to fix whatever it was that you know you were the worrying the fragile fragility and whatever else
1: it's also just as a follow-up there um I mean, we often talk about getting a diagnosis and we expect the clinicians to be able to understand what's going on and come up with a diagnosis. But often they don't understand what's going on and they obviously need help from us to understand what's going on. But, you know, if you didn't really kind of work out what was going on until 37, then obviously they are, they're going to have problems. Then.
5: Absolutely. But, I, you know, there, and there's a real um, sort of clear um divisiveness of opinion i suppose over whether or not labeling diagnos diagnostic labels are actually helpful or not and for me they are incredibly helpful because the moment that i received the the last two was i can't explain the validation i felt i burst into tears and i, I said to my husband like everyone you can like you know stuff yourselves like this is what it is and I can't help it and actually just stop fighting me on this you know stop trying to make me be something that I'm not it just felt super validating and and it helped me understand myself and my intricacies
3: yeah Louisa I just wondered how sort of when you became a parent did that sort of having children add to the difficulties that you were perhaps already experiencing in terms of your mental health or, you know, did that help it or how did that sort of, how did that work?
5: Yes, yeah, so I've had a really interesting journey with parenthood. Um, I, I think that I found it very difficult to navigate, actually. Um, I felt it, it expended all my energy. I couldn't enjoy my child. I was so tired. Nobody could share the load with me. Um, I was in pain because I actually overproduced milk and I just felt like it was so taboo to say anything negative about breastfeeding against this kind of, you know, back wall of um, pro breastfeeding, um, especially when it comes easy to you, because, you know, there are so many women for whom it's very difficult and they can't and they wish they could. So like, you know i didn't want to f- seem ungrateful and there's a whole pile of pressure that comes with it and that affected my mental health absolutely i was very anxious um i also had um a lot of intrusive visual thoughts about my children um about the the safety of my children in my care it was really really like difficult that i you know didn't speak about because you know you're definitely not supposed to say things like that out loud social services will come and get you you know but actually it's really really common in mums um so it it was definite I found the sort of journey as a mother difficult to navigate for my own mental health but then also um I found you know having children as they've grown, as they've grown up, they're only three and six. I'm able to use my experience. I kind of name the things that I'm seeing. So I name the, you know, I can see that you feel quite anxious. Do you feel quite nervous? Is that, you know, and 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 actually I think I'm right because I've spoken to a lot of professionals in this space and my husband hasn't. So, you know, but try and tell your husband that, you're, that they're wrong and that doesn't go very well. <laughs>
2: Louisa, thank you so much for, for now. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about your work as CEO with the charity Beyond. Before then, we're going to play another song that has been chosen by you today. Um, this next song is We Thank You, Tata, by Skipper Shabalala. Can you tell us a little bit about this song and why this is so special to you?
5: So um, I have some very close South African friends, um, and. They, they've they been with me through a lot, um, but also one of them in particular um, is the person that saved my life. Um, I went to South Africa for one of their weddings and I just became really moved by the culture there, and the music and the colours and the life and it felt alive there are some sort of soundtracks for me from that time and this is one of them so it always makes me feel happy and at peace when I listen to it so yeah I yeah I love
2: it I, th- I think happiness is a great great link uh, to to having a break and uh, let's uh, listen to we thank you uh, Tata right now and we'll be right back after this
0: hi this is steve just popped in to remind you to join me every day of the week right here on yahoo radio for yahoo breakfast probably the best way to start your day listen out for the inspirational book of the week got some great health and well-being tips for you and much much more and you might like to play what song are these words from great feel-good music to start your day and lots lots more join me 7 till 10 every day of the week for yahoo breakfast right here on Yow Radio. Welcome
2: back. We're talking with our guest, CEO of the charity Beyond, Louisa Rose. Louisa, like the Jordan Legacy, Beyond is a young charitable organization co founded by Johnny Benjamin in 2018. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, how you came to meet Johnny?
5: Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I was a social media consultant, um, as you've said, and I was starting to realize the sort of intersection between that and young people's mental health but also I had two young people myself in my family and you know I just I I was very conscious of this kind of pull to do something in the mental health space and I didn't know how I was going to do that um but I thought well I'll do it I'll I'll do a fundraiser that's what I'll do first of all so I am. Um, did a fundraiser and um, wanted to choose a small charity that was making an impact and um, was introduced to Johnny through a cousin of mine. And um, just, I chose to raise money for, for beyond, which at the time was beyond shame, beyond stigma. And, um, and then after that, Johnny invited me to take part in a round table um, that would Signal actually the beginning of the sort of new era of Beyond, I would say. Um, And that roundtable was made up of youth mental health campaigners and activists. um, And we sort of became the kind of um, volunteer advisors for Beyond. You know, the charity actually was going through a really challenging time at that point, which I wasn't aware of. You know, it was a very small charity and very big passion of Johnny's. And But then at the the same time, COVID was just hit. And so the charity wasn't receiving any money. It had funding had stopped, completely ceased. And he didn't know what the future was actually going to behold. So he pulled together that splinter group. I remember it so clearly, um, he pulled us together online and said, look, I don't know what the future of the charity is going to look like. But what I do know is that student mental health is massively suffering right now because of the pandemic and teachers and the, and the education community are on their knees and overworked and under-resourced and their own mental health is suffering maybe is there something we can do we have no money but maybe we can do something maybe a social media campaign or whatever anyway I went away and just got like busy on powerpoint and I just it was so obvious to me I don't know why it was just very obvious but I produced this deck and on the deck was um a map of the UK and there were just pins like location pins all over it and i was like i think what we can do is create an online mental health festival for schools and colleges i think that we could maybe get some volunteer mental health experts to give online workshops to schools from their local areas because for me a big a big passion of mine is is contributing to improving the way that schools interact with local mental health services um so yeah, so so volunteers will will do online workshops and we'll provide um, lesson plans to download, and then Johnny pipes up and was like, yeah, then we'll do a live broadcast with some celebrities and you know, um, and we'll do it for no money, and we'll do it with no money, <laughs> and and that's what we'll do. And honestly, this sort of virtual room on Zoom of thirty odd people just kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, let's do that actually at that point Johnny wasn't very well so he was actually in hospital um and with his mental health which is just an example of like you know how much you just really have to just understand and be around the people that that get that um so we spent the next five months managing our day jobs juggling our day jobs juggling our families juggling a pandemic life I was moving house as well which was not fun um and we on February the 3rd 2021 we hosted what is the UK's only online mental health festival for educational settings um we really thought maybe 50 100 schools might take part in it but 1200 did from all over the UK and as remote places as the Shetland Islands so it was the most exhilarating experience to be part of but also unbelievably exhausting I mean I didn't sleep for like five months it was I used my skills as a social media marketer so I I basically called to arms the mental health community and the mental health community responded I mean I remember the initial posts that I shared on Instagram which were we are planning something huge you know we need to support young people's mental health. Can you get involved? Will you get involved. Hmm. 400 youth mental health and wellbeing experts came back and were like, yes, what can we do? We will give you time. What do you need? How do we do this? Um, I remember you guys were very supportive, very supportive at that time. Um, And it was just, yeah, it was everyone. People came out the woodworks. What can we do? Like there was somebody who was volunteering building us a platform online you know out of open source um code um and then when that when we needed that to evolve and it was two weeks to go before the festival launched and we didn't know what we were going to do we then put out on twitter you know can anyone help and then somebody messaged somebody who messaged someone and then and this and this person now who 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 fixed our Cord at the time is still with us and still helps us and it was just incredible it was amazing
2: since 2021 beyond festivals which you've you've repeated I think I'm right in saying I've reached over 1 million young people aged between 4 to 18 if I'm I'm right with the the age groups um and you have another event planned for February the 7th next year 2024 which we need to give a shout out at the end about as well
5: yes we definitely do so yeah so that first festival um it actually it reached 1200 schools 1200 educational settings which is a representation of about 400,000 people you know um and yes since then so we always have about 1000 or more settings that take part in it um in february next year is our next one we want it to be bigger and better we've got lots of things that we've learned along the way and lots of pr- things that we'll put into practice um But for me it was like the beginning of a very accidental kind of um um leap into the world of mental health because after that festival johnny asked me to join his charity as ceo and honestly it took me about three seconds to say yes and quit my job
1: louise again this is really inspiring you know that powerpoint presentation you know taking every so excited And all that volunteer support, absolutely incredible. Presumably,
5: you now actually have some funds. Yes, we do have some funds. Um, We do. Um, It's very hard to fundraise in this climate, actually. Um, Really difficult, really challenging. Since February 2021, there was so much more awareness on Beyond Um, And since then, we've really refined and defined what we do, um, because it has become so apparent of the desperation and need that is out there to support young people's mental health. Um, And so what we do is we promote mental health education through the work of our festival. We also improve awareness to local mental health provisions through the work of our directory that we founded after the festival. It's the first of its kind, it's a cross-sector resource um, that signposts to um, every type of youth mental health provision. Um, But then crucially, we provide access to those mental health provisions in educational settings. We're trying to support that group of young people that have either been rejected from CAMS, so that's over over a quarter of referrals get rejected, or the group that have been put on inordinately long wait lists, but neither of whom are receiving any interim support, but expected to attend school regularly and achieve and thrive academically. So what we're trying to do is provide access to local mental health provisions to support them in the interim. Um, And so the reason why I hesitated around the funding piece is because, yes, we have funding now to run our festival. We have some funding to provide access to interventions for schools but unfortunately the applications are coming in thick and fast and the need on the ground on the front line in schools is just um it's actually heartbreaking it's really really heartbreaking what young people are going through right now and how ill-equipped but so well meaninged and intentioned the educators the education community is
2: and i suppose a question i'd like to ask at this point um you know, we're very much at the Jordan Legacy about collaboration. I think ultimately, if we're going to achieve our mission and, and reduce and minimize the number of suicides in this country, we, we have to come together. So, kind of a shout out opportunity for you here, really. How can other charitable organizations or any organizations support beyond?
5: Yeah, I mean, beyond in its current form, would just absolutely not exist without the support of all the other organisations. We are a collaborative platform. What we're doing, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're saying here is the wheel. We're going to provide access to it. Um, So if there's any other organisations that are out there that are doing some really wonderful work with young people to support their needs, join us. Sign up to the directory. It's completely free. Get involved in the festival, provide lesson plans or run workshops, you know, just just, just get in touch, just email us, DM us, do what, whatever it is, just get in touch.
2: But there is one point I just want, again, come back to that you mentioned earlier. The Beyond Youth Board is very much a part of what you do, isn't it? And makes you highly relevant, I would think, to, to the work you do.
5: I mean, I think that our youth board are what makes the sort of heart of Beyond beat. I mean, it's just, I cannot emphasize enough how important their insights and contributions are they co-design everything with us and um, from the brand colors to the themes that we'll discuss during our festivals um they produce content pieces of content that hugely impact other young people watching it so even a, Brilliant example is this year, one of our youth board members um, came up with an idea to produce a music video with young people um, for one of our ambassadors, who is a rapper called Shoka for a track called Stigma the Hero, which tackles male mental health. Um, They produced it. I mean, it was just, it was all them. It was brilliant. Um, And then we we filmed an interview between Shoka and another one of our youth board members for afterwards. And, and the response was incredible, but there was one that stuck out and there was one, it was a teacher that got in touch with us and said, there was a child who has never been identified as vulnerable. But after seeing that piece of content, he came forward and said, that's how I'm feeling. And his parents were contacted and now he's receiving support. And that was all because a young person on our youth board said, I think we should do this.
1: Uh, Louisa, some of our listeners May have seen you on the Michael McIntyre Big Show last year, (laughs) helping to get one of your uh, young people uh, fulfilling their potential by singing on the the stage in national TV. Uh, How is Brady?
5: She's good she's currently in the West End right now um she is in Evita I think um she's doing she's doing really well um which she, oh, she was just phenomenal wasn't she I mean if yeah. you have watched that go and watch it again on catch up um but no she was she's incredible she's she's doing really well I'm really pleased yeah she's I'm so proud of her.
2: Louisa, thank you so much for joining us on Jordan Space. It it really has been a pleasure chatting with you and and hearing about your journey um, and the amazing work that you're doing at Beyond. Before we let you go, uh, as our regular listeners know, we always like to end the show on on a message of of hope. Uh, And I wonder what your message of hope um, would be for, and who who would that be aimed at as well?
5: I think it's for those people who are um, fighting to understand their, minds actually. Um, and I think and I think it would be that to try and reduce the external noise um, and just take it one day at a time because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves um, and and I think that if we just if we slow down the pace, then we get there. We really do.
2: I think that's a really important point. It comes back to something you referred to earlier about mental health maintenance. I think that's a, a really powerful message of hope to, to end on. Um, we're going to be playing a couple of more tracks uh, that you've chosen today. Uh, the next one though, I'd just like to tell us a little bit about uh, by Alejandro Sanz, which features Shakira. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the title of that song. So I'm going to get you to do that. But just tell us again why, why this particular choice.
5: So that song is called Te lo agradezco, pero no. Um and it is uh, special to me because I so I speak Spanish and I raise my children bilingually. Um I'm not Spanish, which is always slightly confusing. Um and I spent a year in Spain in a place called Córdoba, which is so close to my heart. And it, it during that year I felt free. I felt kind of similar to the feelings I felt in South Africa, actually. I felt free. And that's where I um, first heard that song. And when I listen to it now, it just transports me back there.
2: Let's have a listen to to that track right now. And uh, thank you again, Louisa, for for joining us. And we'll be right back after this with a roundup of today's show with Danny, Paul and myself.
4: Time for another positive news story from Rise of Happiness. We are Yawa Radio, bringing the feel-good feeling to every day. From the outside, Abigail was living the dream. She was working in an international school in Italy. Her commute was a 10-minute cycle down medieval streets, and her evenings were a mixture of gelato and long meals with friends. But all was not as it seemed. Abigail began to feel fed up in her job. The tasks that once filled her with enthusiasm left her feeling bored and uninspired. Extra began to take over her whole body, leaving her waking up with her eyes so red and puffy they were difficult to open, and angry blotches covered her neck, arms and legs. She searched for the answer outside through doctors and dermatologists, and the thousands of euros she spent on creams only further irritated her skin. Allergy tests showed nothing. It was around then that Abigail's sister encouraged her to go on a yoga retreat with her in Ibiza. The week changed her life. She lay down on the mat. For the opening yoga session and the tears began to flow. They flowed through the week as if her body were letting go of all the emotions she'd been locking away. That week, she read Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Body, she began linking what was happening to her skin with what was going on in her life and mind. Abigail realised that it was up to her to heal herself, not the doctors or the creams. The problem wasn't an allergy or a product irritating her skin, It was her internal worries and the harsh words she spoke to herself that were manifesting as itchy, red, raw skin. She started to notice her internal dialogue. She began massaging fresh aloe vera into her skin while silently speaking soothing words to her body. On the plane back to Italy, her skin was already back to its calm, smooth self. Seven days away full of nourishment and inner healing had opened her eyes. She knew her lifestyle needed to change. Started a regular yoga and mindfulness class, and immersed herself in the world of self-development books. Abigail believes that we all have the possibility to create abundant well-being for ourselves, both physically and mentally. By turning inwards and nurturing your well-being each day through small habits, you can find your true inner and outer beauty. You can read the full article and more in Rise of Happiness magazine at feelgood.riseofhappiness.com.
2: Uh, Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Well, again, really powerful, very open interview uh, there from Louisa Rose from the charity Beyond. I want to come to you uh, first, uh, Danny, and just get your your thoughts, really, on on that conversation with Louisa.
3: Yeah, I think, and like you just mentioned as well, I think think the fact that Louisa is so open about her mental health struggles and how this has impacted her life and her role as a parent, Uh, so helpful for others we talk about how important it is to hear about and share stories of lived experience when it comes to mental health and suicide prevention so I think you know that that side of it is really important when it comes to Louisa and, and her story and secondly I think the start of Beyond reflects how important collaboration is in terms of mental health and suicide prevention you know as Louisa said it was only because of so many people and professionals offering their services, you know, when, when Beyond started up and, and they talked about the festival that that it could ultimately go ahead and and then that, that ultimately helped thousands of students and young people.
2: I think that's a really important point, Danny, that that you know, some people listening might might not just be aware, you know, it's it's for ourselves as well, isn't it? Just what a challenge and a struggle it is to 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 keep sustainable, remain sustainable and keep going and deliver the kind of things that that we we do. Paul, how, how about yourself? What were your kind of key takeaways from our conversation with Louisa?
1: Well, it was interesting for me because I know a lot about Beyond. They're a fantastic organisation, the work they do, incredible. And, and I thought I knew quite a lot about Louisa and I've met <laughs> Louisa before. And I've interviewed her for our Action Research Project. But when she was talking about her own personal struggles, her own personal situation, I mean, that was just so powerful and insightful for me. It resonated when she talked about getting that diagnosis and the importance of having that diagnosis. Um, you know, I've got family members who've had, uh, and myself, when we've, when we've had a diagnosis, You know, it, it is a massive turning point. Uh, my wife as well, uh, when she was diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of 46, uh, it completely changed her life because it explained so much about the struggles she had at school and uh, being called stupid at school and your brains must be in your feet and things like this because she was a dancer. I went on to be a, a ballet dancer. and uh, uh, But, you know, people didn't realise how cruel that was when they made those kind of comments. Anyway, she went on to write a book about <laughs> uh, about her experiences. But, yeah, that resonated. And just that kind of living with mental illness is so, so important. You don't just go and get a pill and you're mended. You, just, you don't go and have some treatment in a psychiatric hospital and come out well. Um, you don't have recovery in the sense most people think about it. You don't have closure. Uh, so she gave some brilliant examples of of the reality of living with mental illness, as she said, health mental health maintenance.
2: Well, that's it for another episode of Jordan Space. My thanks to Danny and Paul, as always, and to this week's guest, Louisa. Thank you also for tuning in. I hope you found today's discussion interesting and insightful, as always, and you felt inspired maybe to support our work to help prevent suicides. You can make a donation on our website, thejordanlegacy.com, or email us at hello at thejordanlegacy.com. You can also engage with us on social media by following the Jordan Legacy CIC's LinkedIn company page. We are on Twitter and Instagram using the username at Jordan Legacy UK and you can find us on Facebook at Jordan Legacy as well. You can listen to recordings of all our previous shows on our website and this particular show as well by choosing the menu Jordan Space at the top of the page. For now from Danny, Paul and myself we'd like to wish you as always a healthy safe and above all hopeful rest of your week and we're going to leave you now with one final track chosen by louisa which is because of the night by paddy smith this, this is yawa, yawa radio.
0: radio a big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at yawa radio remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day seven days a week at yawa Radio. .co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio Podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright
3: applies.